Well, welcome. It's a Tuesday edition of Family Matters. Kevin is traveling to North Carolina. Kevin Peterson, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty darn good. I have had Carolina barbecue for two nights in a row. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. How are you feeling there, Mr. J? <laughs> hey, Texas barbecue, I get it any day, you know, so uh, I need to... I need less barbecue, actually. So there's no, you know, I don't know what you're talking about there. See, that's see, the fact that you say that means you are you're eating the wrong kind of barbecue. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, self-image issues. Uh, go over and creep over at Kevin W. Peterson on Instagram. He got all kinds of content for you. If you uh, you can even get his book for free and stuff like that. Like hurry right. before he wises up and stops with all the free stuff. Chronic Hope for all your family coaching, chronichope.us. Go there. You don't have to put your credit card just by logging on. It has all kinds of free resources. And the best Facebook group uh, for a family member, the Chronic Hope, reach out to either one of us and we can get you into that uh, that private Facebook group where there's not all these J marketers and, I mean, all these marketers bouncing on you. So, you know what? Uh, Kevin? Another day, another week, another series of questions. Are you ready? You know, Jay, I am ready, baby. I had some ribs. I had some chicken wings. I had some mac and cheese. I am ready. I'm in a, almost ready to go to sleep is what I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's keep you up just in time. My question is about insurance coverage. Our son has let his insurance lapse. So my husband and I think it'd be it'd be best to keep coverage for when he does reach out for help. How do you advise around the insurance and paying for someone's insurance and so forth like that? The guy, I I think their son is I think late twenties or something, so can't you know the can't be on the family policy. How do you advise the family? Yeah, no, I I mean so the, I get this one all the time, by the way, and I understand where they're coming from. It's a question of what's cheaper. You know, because they know that if he ends up coming back to them and saying, hey, I'm going to go to treat, I'm, I'm ready to go to treatment. Is it cheaper for them to pay the $500 a month or whatever it is a month to keep the insurance current or to drop 30 grand when he says I'm ready to go to treatment or whatever it's going to cost? And so if they're if they know they're they're willing to pay for the treatment when the time comes. Yeah, by all means, they're better off paying for it. Plus, you never know; there could be some there could be some hospitalizations, there could be some other costs involved, he could, medical costs, et cetera, et cetera. So, if that's something you're comfortable with, number one. If it's something you can afford, number two, and if it's something that you're planning on paying for anyway, then yes, by all means, that's fine. Do not give him the money. Pay the pay the bill directly. This is something that happens all the time. Well, we thought we were paying the insurance bill. Now, get just pay the bill directly. Do not give him the money. Pay the company directly. And you know, I, I totally now it just becomes a financial decision. So that's that's the answer. Good. Yeah. 
My husband wants help with his drinking. He states that his job is main reason for his drug alcohol issues, but says we cannot afford him to leave his job. We have three kids and I do not work help. He's ultimately, this husband is, you know, saying, you know, I believe, and I don't know the whole story, but I would, I caution just my two cents as he's using this as an excuse not to seek help. You can be that guy like, oh, I'll go get help but I can't leave my job. So I'm sure it's an issue you've come across. Sure, sure, by all means. I mean, I, we hear this all the time. It's my job, it's this, it's that. So here's the answer. Um, fine, okay, it's your job. So let's get a therapist. Let's get some AA meetings. Let's even look into a recovery coach. You don't gotta leave your job. Um, you know, let's let's get the support that's necessary surrounding the job and and make those make you know make get him the support that he needs, and, and go from there. You know, so okay, it's my job. You know, I mean, I want to know what kind, I want to know what kind of job it is. I want to get someone like Jay who does recovery coaching to meet with your husband on a regular basis. Let's get him a therapist. It's an addiction therapist. Let's get him. Let's find out where the AA meetings are. Um, you know, let's. You know, I want to, I want to know what he does, what he for work, where he does work, how he, I want to know that I want to find the, uh, the situation and, and then we can find the solution to the situation. So, um, we get it. I've worked with people that have, you know, the weirdest jobs in the world. And you would think no way, you know, there's no, no chance. I work in a restaurant. I work in a liquor distributorship. I work in a liquor store, blah, blah, blah. And we still have managed to find a way to make it work. But, you know, if he really wants to quit drinking, he'll find a way to quit drinking. If he doesn't want to quit drinking, what you're going to find is, oh, I don't have time for therapy. I don't have time for a recovery coach. I don't have time for AA. So it turns out it's not just the job. So that's what you got to be aware of is all of a sudden all the other stories and excuses start coming to the table. Then all of a sudden we know it's not just the job. Because if he's saying it's just the job, then he'll be willing to do the other stuff. Okay? So. Definitely my fear. And uh, yeah. This next question, I, I just, I relate to it. And, uh, but anyway, this is a long, long question. So we're just trying to paraphrase. My son continues to say that he lacks feeling. He mm -hmm. says that drugs, alcohol, gambling, etc., gives him the feelings he wishes his job, marriage, etc., should quote unquote give him. Says his problem is psychological. So here is parents. Uh, this is a mid thirties, I think, or something like that. Has got the marriage and you know stuff like that. Has has definite issues. She she rattled it off series of issues, legal and so forth like that. You know, but yet it's this whole is this psychological? You know, is it a cover up for a true addiction? Kevin, what do you got? So here's the really interesting thing. So um, when you use drugs and alcohol uh, or, or anything, you know, so let's say drugs, alcohol, gambling, sex, whatever, um, and you, you're constantly spiking your emotions, you actually do blow out your receptors. And so, so the fact that he says that, you know, um, he lacks feelings um, or like, you know, that's not actually abnormal um, and that, that he, you know, like he's dead inside. You know, then he's 
continue this continues that he lacks feelings. He says drugs, alcohol, gambling, give him the feeling he wishes his job. So when he's high, he has those emotional spikes and his emotional highs that the, and, and that's, I get that. I totally understand that. So that's why when we get sober, we also go see a therapist and we go see a psychiatrist because there are chemical imbalances going on and, and there are emotional imbalances going on and there's all sorts of stuff going on. So um, I don't disagree with anything he's saying. Um, I, I, I do hesitate to say that he, you know, he doesn't get to self-diagnose because he's not a trained professional. Um, although I, he may be right, but, you know, I want him to see a therapist. I want him to see a psychiatrist. I also want him to, so here's the thing. And this is something that's really critical. When we get sober, we have to start engaging in nutrition, exercise, you know, therapy, um, probably some psychiatry, some meditation. Um, we have to approach the whole holistic thing and heal the whole body and heal the whole mind. It's not just, I quit drinking, I'm all better. You know, doesn't work that way. We got to do the whole 360, you know. And by the way, it also doesn't happen snap, snap. It takes a long time. It takes a long time to heal the body and heal the mind. And so it's about making that commitment and engaging in the entire process and really digging in. And, and there's, and there's, you know, the other thing too, is that he's probably spent a long time being drunk and being high and avoiding his emotions and avoiding his feelings. And so he doesn't really know how to address them. One of the things we always tell each ourselves is the, the age at which you started using drugs and alcohol is the age at which you stopped maturing and um, emotionally maturing. You know, uh, and so he's probably a teenager somewhere in that ballpark, you know, and and so uh, he probably has a teenager's emotional maturity. And, and so, you know, let's get him the help to mature. Got to work the steps, got to get a sponsor, got to dig in. It just takes time. There are no shortcuts. He's not going to he's, he's not going to get all better real quick. Lickety split. You know, it just takes time. And, and, and he'll get there. He'll, he'll get there. But he just has to be patient. And, you know, the job, the marriage, and all the other things, you know. And this the good news is he's at a day and age where we really have started, we've started to see that it takes the whole combination of things. You know, nutrition is a huge piece to this. You know, psychiatry is a huge piece. Psychology is a huge piece. Exercise is, is a huge piece. Meditation is a huge piece. You know, there's so much available to him today, um, and and it, and it's good. But but he has to make the commitment to change the lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, I I just related to that lack of feeling and just the the drugs and alcohol. But I, you know, for me, it it's you know, drugs and alcohol, everything like that just stopped. I just got numb, and it like you're right. It took a long, long time. I wish. I'm still learning how to feel feelings and, and feel period. And this is 14 years, but I wanted to become back like that. It does not. I can tell you that. No, no. And then when it does, when your emotions do come back, you're like, Ooh, be careful. Yeah. Why can I give that one back? <laughs> That's why they take places like onsite and stuff like that. Anyway.
Another one of my favorites, another long one. I'm just worried about my daughter. She's been sober for nine months, yet recently has started smoking and dressing sexy and continues to go out with younger guys she meets at meetings. She's not herself. And it goes on and on, so I'll paraphrase. So the the, the, the she's mid-40s, and the, the, the mom here who wrote in, is worried about the, the the current husband who stayed there, showed up for family programs, was has been her biggest advocate. And now it appears that she's nine months. Here's the situation. She's nine months sober and she's dressing skimpy, like lacking 20s, like no clothing at, at all, hanging out with younger guys. There's there's seems to be affairs uh we're putting a lot on you but uh you know and then this husband now is basically to the point where like it's going to end the marriage and you know and this is this is the common theme that i related to you know the daughter is like i don't know what your big problem is i'm sober and stuff i'm just experiencing life and blah 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 blah. so you have someone that's nine months sober but is kind of you know, I don't want to say putting, setting the world on fire or her life on fire, but uh, is definitely playing another character. Let's just say that. Well, yeah, you know, and it's, I get it. I totally get it. A couple of things going on here. And I want to say this very politely to mom. I'm guessing it's mom. It might be dad, but let's say this. Mom. Um, so. And I, I want to be really polite when I say this. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> this is none of your business. Yes. Um, I, I hope I said that politely. <laughs> this is a husband and wife matter. Um, now, that having been said, we're going to push that over here. Um, you know, Jay, it's an interesting phenomenon that we see when people get sober. that uh, people tend to definitely uh, act out emotionally. Um, And it's not uncommon for them to behave poorly and make really poor choices in early sobriety. That's, there's no doubt about that. And, and I've, we, you and I have both seen it, huh? You and I may have even done it, you know? Um, and no comment, no comment. Right. Exactly. And, 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 and I get that. And I think, um, you know, this is where uh, a good, effective sponsorship is critical. You know, I think it's important for people to stay in the middle of the boat, hang out with good people, um, and, you know, engage. Um, I think one of the most important things, too, for people that are sober, that are married, you know, when they come back out of treatment is, you know, you're going to have to do uh, couples therapy. You're going to have to do marriage therapy because there's been, probably been a lot of damage to the, the marriage. And there's going to have to be some work done there. And I'm a huge advocate of that because, you know, and the person that's that the, 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 the spouse that stayed home and didn't go to treatment has probably got a lot of questions and wants to know what the hell's going on, you know? And, you know, a lot of times too, they're not, they may or may or not be, be supportive of the situation. They might be like, yeah, you know, I like the person that drank and I'm not happy with this. Or they're like, you know what? I'm not okay with this. The husband may not be okay with this behavior. They may be like, you know, this isn't working for me, you know, and I'm not okay. And we got, we got to make some changes here. Um, We got to set some boundaries, you know? So I think that's really what's got to happen here is that the couple needs to address the stuff. The husband needs to step up to the wife and say, not okay. 
we're not, this is not okay with me and we're not doing this. Um, and however, um, I do think this is a husband wife issue and that's who needs to be addressing this. Whether or not they address it, how they address it, why they address it, that's their business. One of the many reasons early that my sponsor uh, instructed me that says you're going to you're you're going to men's meetings for the time being and here and I still to this day do at least two men's meetings. I got two really solid accountability men's groups that I do each week. But uh, this is exactly because uh, there was issues and I found myself uh, not occupied on the topic at hand at some of these co-eds and sometimes it's it's an ongoing thing i'm not saying this is what's going on what's 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 scaring me is the hanging out with the younger guys and from the meetings and stuff i mean if they're twofold if they're really from the meetings i hope the recovery is strong and if they're not if you're just using meetings as a disguise for doing other things then shame on you as well so well i mean you know New sobriety, you know, I mean, we, we see it all the time, right? So, yeah, I'm shocked I stayed sober. I'll just say that. Uh -huh. My son is in sober living. This is a, this is one I get a lot. I'm glad someone finally put it up on the on piece of paper. My son is in sober living and needs to get a job. He's upset due to my husband not allowing him to work for him, the husband. He's very skilled, but it never worked when we allowed him in the past. Suggestions. This is, goes to the heart of... You know, should he, you know, go through, I think he's 19 or 20. Should he go through the process of getting a job? I mean, always his work for dad in and out with active addiction, so forth like that. You know, there's the parents are, I think, I, to me, sound a healthy boundary. They said they're not shutting the door on it altogether. But for the time being, go out and find your own job. Sounds like son is just trying to. Why not, Dad? Like instead of going through the whole job search process. No, no. If I were them, I mean, I would. I, I applaud them not hiring him. I would be like, Nope, you ain't working here. You need to go. You know, get it together. Uh, I wouldn't even do. I wouldn't even make a deal. I wouldn't be like, Well, go get six months. Go get a year. I'd be like, Nope. Uh, uh. You need to go establish yourself. Go do something somewhere else. Nope, you ain't working here. Um, we love you. We will support you, but nope. Um, we just think uh, <laughs> we love you as our son. Um, it does not work for you to work here. I my dad owned his own company, and he he wanted me to work for him, and I worked for him for a couple of summers, and it did not work. It just did not work. So I was like, mm -mm, nope. Uh -uh. We. <laughs> You and I get along a lot better as father and son than we do as employee, employer, you know, pass. And, uh, and you know, I just, that just wasn't how it was going to be. And it's been this situation, you know, obviously there's a history and he doesn't do well. And, and so no, uh -uh. I, and, and, you know, for a million different reasons, but at the very least he needs to go out and, you know, cut the mustard somewhere else. So, I uh, I actually worked for my dad for several years in addiction, going in and out of treatment and so forth like that. I, it's near and dear to my heart. And so everyone's path is the same. But I mean, for me, when I got sober and everything, you know, it was clear when I when I would be able to call my dad, he was my dad. It wasn't 
prospective yeah. employer, wasn't boss, it wasn't anything and went through my amends process that I did at his office and the people he worked with. And that was all kind of freeing process. And again, like, I'm not saying never, uh, but it was, it was planted early, like maybe not going back to work for dad and kind of blazing your own path. But I can say it really freed me up because you know, he was my dad. He wasn't, you know, boss. He wasn't friend, you know, like, you know, when I got sober, like what I, what I treasure now with my dad is to call him up and be my dad. And, you know, and that, you know, there was a lot of times where a lot of things where he was my golfing buddy, he was my friend, he was my boss. He was my, you know, you know, and dad got way, way down there. And it's, you know, I put him in a bad position. I'll just say that. Right. Exactly. He just, I mean, your dad wants to be your dad, you know, let him be your dad, you know. No. Yep. I'm pretty sure this is one is for me, but I, we'll let you have it. I am three years sober <laughs> and in my mid-30s. How did you de decide counseling was the right decision to make? I'm thinking about a career change. Maybe it's not about me. I don't know. Take a shot at it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's... Uh, I mean, this is this is common. You get sober. You, we all go through it. I mean, I, hey, I got into the industry to help others. And, you know, it's there's the only thing I will add to this is like everyone thinks like, oh, you work in the industry. You must, you know, like there's a big uh, there's a big brick wall in between my professional life and my recovered life. And they don't intermix. Uh, I use my experience, strength and hope. But I've chosen to use this in the, in the industry because I love helping addicts and alcoholics kind of reaching your hand out. But, uh, you know, everyone has that thought. I had it. I went back to school for counseling uh, for a little while. So it's a common, common thing that pops up. And I think it's, you know, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Because you did it. Sure. I did it when I was in my mid-40s, um, which was, you know, just a year or two ago. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, how did I decide counseling was the right decision to make? I'm thinking about a career change. Okay, so let me tell you uh, for this person, great question. Um, here, I'm gonna make some suggestions for you. I want you to read a book called um, The Gift of Therapy by Irving Yalom, Y-A-L-O-M. Ironically, from my hometown in Palo Alto. Um, I didn't know him, but evidently he was, he was doing the deal, doing the therapy thing uh, when I was growing up there. Um, it was something that they had us read my first year at Regis, and it really made a huge difference for me. And he, uh, one of the chapters of that book is called An Open Letter to a New Generation of Therapists. And he really talks about what it's like to be a therapist. And he's like, you know, I know you have this idea that you're going to drop these bombs of wisdom on people and really make a huge effect and change their lives. And he's like, they ain't gonna, they aren't, they aren't listening to a goddamn thing you say. <laughs> you know, he's like, you know, I do exit interviews with all my clients, and you know what they remember? He noticed my haircut. You know, he he remembered my birthday. You know, and yeah, because you filled out a paperwork and told me what it was. You know, <laughs> don't give away your secrets. Oh, I know, right? And um, so anyway, you know, the point being that um, he. Uh, that really had a profound impact on me. You know, I, I know we all think we're going to be like the next Sigmund Freud or, or Carl Jung or, you know, uh, Virginia Satir and that sort of thing. But 
you know, here's the thing I would tell you that I've learned in the since 2008 when I've stepped onto my first class. Um, people just want you to listen to them and hear them. And, and some people want you to guide them and some people just want you to shut up and listen. And, and that's okay. Um, how did I make the decision? I was 16 years sober and I was 43 years old and I was working a sales job where I was making six figures and doing really well. And I just couldn't do it anymore. I, I just got to a point where I'm like, I'm halfway through my life expectancy. You know, men my age, my generation are supposed to live to 84, 86. And I was just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I, I, I this is, I'm, I'm done. And I want to be, I want to have more of an impact. And I thought I'll, if I can't get into graduate school and become a therapist, I'm going to be a minister. Um, and I had, I picked out a school for each and I got into Regis and I became a, a therapist. Otherwise I was going to go to divinity school and, and, and really, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was going to go to Iliff and, uh, at uh, Denver, Denver Seminary, or not Denver Seminary, uh, I left school in, in Denver. And uh, I just wanted to help people. I wanted to minister. That was my thing. And um, so, you know, uh, that's the path I went down and away I went. Um, when I went to the open house at Regis uh, in July of 2007, I happened to sit and chat with the uh, dean, John Arnold, John Arnold, and he's a great guy, still, still there. He said to me, he said, um, Kevin, counseling is a calling. It's like the ministry. It's in your heart. And it's, it's who you are. It's what you are. And he said, you either have it or you don't. And when you come to school, we're going to run you through a few classes to find out if you got it. Okay. And then we're going to train you in the skill sets. So... You know, that's really what it comes down to. And and I, you know, I found out that I had it, you know, and I, and I, ha I had the gift. And so away I went, you know, um, that's the deal. You know, that's the deal. So I would say, you know, give it a shot, you know, read some books about what it's like to be a therapist before you go. Uh, I mean, I know the TV shows are fun and the movies are fun, but that's really not what it's like to be a therapist. You know, um, read the books from Yalom you know, see what it's like. Um, you know, uh, Brene Brown's books are really good too. She talks a lot about what it's like to be a therapist. Um, some of those I would really dig into and that'll give you an accurate description of what it's like for what we do. Um, I want to let you know that once you graduate after two or three years, you're not, da -da, I'm a therapist. You have to do a couple of more years and get your license. So you got a good couple thousand hours um, and you got to pass a national exam and then you know, and, and so it's it's about a five-year journey, okay? And um, and let's be clear, you know, it's it's uh, it's uh, <laughs> teachers make more money than therapists that work in like you know if you work for like a, a public agency, teach hear me hear me, teachers make more money than therapists that work for the county. So, and, and everybody thinks, oh, I'll just go into private practice. <laughs> okay. You know, so <laughs> just keeping it real. Man, I, I cannot get over the fact that if you did not get that acceptance to Regis, you would be a minister. Reverend. <laughs> you know what? You want to hear something funny? 
to get a load of this. So I'm in Asheville, uh, North Carolina, at, for the winter, uh, the, the the wilderness symposium. A girl I went to high school with, who I it was a was just a wonderful young woman. She's amazing. Um, I've known her since uh, seventh grade. Um, uh, she actually is a reverend. And um, she she works. She's at a Presbyterian uh, Episcopalian uh, church here, and we're gonna have dinner tomorrow night. And we she I called her voicemail today, and she's like, "Hi, you've reached the voicemail of Reverend So and So," and I just couldn't stop laughing. And, and then she called me back. I'm like, "Don't you love calling me back?" I'm like, "Hi, it's you know Kevin Peterson, marriage and family therapist. And if you have a and if you're in a mental health cri therapy crisis." And she, I'm like, doesn't that crack you up that I have that on my voicemail? <laughs> and she's like, I know. I just love calling your voice. I'm like, I love calling yours. <laughs> Man, you know, I'm. This is the last week. I'm just really been wrapped up in these small, like decisions that seem small or big. I mean, and just the different the way the the river flows is the way that it came up in the meditation, and it's like. You know, just a simple rock that moved could move that river in a different. I mean, you could have been a reverend, and I never knew this. Inches and seconds, baby. Inches and seconds. Bam. And so I'm just kind of like analyzing and like how many rocks like slipped over and and caused me and like stuff like that. That's just a, you know, you learn something every day. Like that's that's amazing. I think you'd been amazing either way, but uh, I only know you as the the you know, the family whisperer, the clinician, and uh, it'd be tough to see you as reverend, but I, I I would hope we'd have the same relationship, but I'd probably push away from you because it's just internal thoughts. But anyway, it's, uh, God, that's, that's amazing. I, you blew me over with that. Like, good thing I was sitting down or else I would have fell over on the floor. And anyway, well, what a great way to end the Family Matters. I'm speechless, but we could have been Reverend Kevin Peterson, and he could have been preaching the gospel to us. But lo and behold, he's answering your questions. Keep them coming. If you see this as a replay, put it in the comments. We'll get to it. DM me, whatever it is. Keep the comment. Keep the questions coming, comments, whatever it may be. We love doing this, and uh, let's keep Kevin a clinician for the time being. Yeah, otherwise we may lose lose them to the gospel. So anyway, oh. Kevin. <laughs> I'll see you. <laughs> All right. See you later, brother J.